Welcome to BYU Cougar Insiders. In this edition, we're going to be talking BYU football recruiting. What's the need? What are they going to get? And where are they struggling? We'll also break down the BYU-Gonzaga game and talk a little bit about the Super Bowl and Kyle Van Oy. That and much more on this edition of Cougar Insider Podcast. Hey, welcome to the Cougar Insider Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Thanksgiving Point, and we're talking BYU sports. This podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. You can get ticket information at saltlakestallions.com or call 833-223-2019. And Jeff Call, big game coming up with Gonzaga. Does BYU have any chance in this game? Uh, they have a chance. I mean, uh, BYU hasn't beaten Gonzaga at home in, I think, four or five years, and so it's been uh, tough sledding at the Merritt Center. More success, obviously, up in uh, in Spokane than Provo, but uh, I think what we saw last Thursday against St. Mary's gives a glimmer of hope that maybe if they can play the kind of defense they played last Thursday, if they can protect the ball like they did. I mean, only two turnovers against St. Mary's. That's remarkable against that team. It, it is. It usually just destroys them. Exactly, yeah. And uh, and then uh, if they can shoot better, I mean, that's that, always that, been... That's the, asking a lot, though, for that, this team. I know. That, that's a lot of things to ask to be able to pull off this upset. But, you know, you look at uh, T.J. Haas playing really well. Yoli's been consistent all year. You see the emergence of uh, Gavin Baxter. Uh, you see some other role players like Zach Selyus and McKay Cannon doing some things and contributing. That's what it's going to take. It's going to take a full team effort for this team for 40 minutes. Whether they can do that, I don't know, but uh, I'm hoping for a competitive game. Now, my, my, my view is that, that uh, it seems like Gonzaga is strong in the areas that BYU is weak. And, uh, you know, it comes from outside shooting. That's what the Gonzaga does. they got the inside game. they got tall guys that they can bring off the bench. they got four or five guys that are seven-footers that they can bring in and work uh, BYU. It's going to be very hard for them to di- get anything done in the paint. And Yoli seems to be uh, comfortable in just slipping out of the fight sometimes and getting out on the perimeter and trying to shoot. And when you do that, you take away your best rebounder and your most athletic uh, player. And that, that's kind of frustrating to see sometimes. It, he's trying to avoid foul trouble because he knows that he can't get that third foul in the first half and uh, you know the fourth foul in the, in the second half. And so it seems like he plays and backs down a little bit from the physical play at times, which is his strength. Yeah, I mean, you pointed out, I mean, Gonzaga just has so much depth. I mean, they have guys, waves of guys that can bring off the bench. They're ranked fourth in the country for a reason. This team is one of the best that's ever played in the Marriott Center. I mean, just like some of the others we've seen. And BYU is going to have to somehow compensate for all that. And, again, it's going to take almost a perfect uh, performance, you would think, to, to make everything align. And, you know, they get guys killing Tilly. I mean, we remember how he killed BYU last year in the tournament. Best player in the tournament. Yeah. I mean, Clark, and they've got Norville Jr. I mean, they've got so many different weapons, and it's going to be tough. Um, Brandon Gurney, it seems like to me from the games that I've seen that Dave Rose is getting his outside shooters open shots, and they're just not making enough of them. Is that a good observation, that that, that is true, that they are getting open shots on the outside, and, and they're not making them yeah. to the extent that they need to? 
Yeah, pretty much. Well, we just kind of been a really frustrating thing with, with BYU basketball because you think at the end of the day, these guys can shoot no matter what. That, that's always kind of been a hallmark. Um, but, but I'm encouraged about BYU basketball. I think they're coming off of, of the best showing of the season against St. Mary's. I, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that. I, I don't know if Jeff over there would agree with me or not, but have they looked better than they, than they did against St. Mary's? The, the only other game I say would match that would be the Utah State game. Yeah. Where they that's blew a good one. the Aggies out of the water, which surprised, I think, everybody because they were coming off that loss to Weber. But, yeah. But I think there's a lot of positives to take from that game. But, but, again, that's kind of been the frustrating thing with this team is you see them reach something, and you think, okay, they've taken care of that. They can take off now. And then they revert back to playing no defense and, and whatnot. The defense was really good against St. Mary's, by and large. I mean, sure, St. Mary's wasn't on. They weren't making a lot of shots, but – but they held them to a low point total, and if they can continue doing that, and, and what I liked is the whole week they were just regaling how great they did in practice, and we've all heard that before. And then game time comes, it's like, oh, I guess those practices weren't so great. But no, they were validated with how they played. So hopefully they kind of reached a, a, a new point, and they can just progress beyond that. But man, it's going to be tough against Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga is always really good, but this year. Another top five, five team. Jeff, Jeff Call uh, got a compliment to you on a story you did about a Gonzaga transfer. He's in BYU's camp. Uh, he just happens to be maybe the best shooter on BYU's team. He won't be a part of that game. But uh, when he transferred from Gonzaga, he uh, it was Mark Few's only married player that he's ever coached, and now he's at BYU. <laughs> Yeah, so he fits right in. I mean, one of the one of the gang, <laughs> the yeah. wives, the wives in the background. <laughs> yeah, I, I was able to talk to Jesse last week. Um, sat down with him for a little while. I never really talked to him before, and uh, just a real engaging, nice kid. Um, and the thing, coach has been talking, even some of the players have been talking since you know the start of the season about how Jesse Wade is so impressive and. He's the guy that's imitating, obviously, the other team's stars in practice, and he makes so many shots. and And he, Jesse, told me that uh, he's never played better in his life than he is right now, which is pretty encouraging uh, for this team looking forward. And um, you know, who knows? Maybe Jesse Wade can give his teammates and co- the coaching staff a little insight into Gonzaga that may help him uh, Thursday night. We'll see. But. Can I add something about Jesse Wade? Please do. You asked me about shooting. This kid can shoot. Right. And my last memory of Jesse Wade was he almost single-handedly brought Davis from behind to beat Lone Peak. These were the years where Lone Peak was absolutely stacked. It was in the state tournament. If I remember right, he had a he had a shot to to win it at the end. It was about a a 30-foot three-pointer, and it just rimmed out. And it was really impressive. I think he had about 30 points that game. And after the game, we learned he had a broken finger. Wow. He was playing with a broken finger and just knocking down shots. This kid can play ball. He, he, he can play some serious basketball, and I think he's going to be a big boost to this BYU team. Yeah, one of the elements of the story I didn't, I didn't manage to get in, I'll put it in some, you know, get it in print some other time, but um, he talked about his relationship with TJ Haas because, like you said, Brandon, I mean, Lone Peak and Davis, they had some battles, uh, AAU battles as well over the years. And so Jesse and TJ have known each other really well. And then they end up going to the same mission. They weren't companions, but they served in the same mission. And then they're back on separate teams, Gonzaga and BYU. Now they're together again uh, for the first time, and, and they're really enjoying that relationship. So it'll be interesting next year to see how that plays out. Great stuff, Jeff. Brandon Gurney, uh, recruiting, signing date, the second cycle coming up next week. BYU, in both of these cycles, have tried to chase down running backs to bolster <laughs> up what they have. And it seems like it's been a real hard 
tough journey for this coaching staff, and they have left almost no stone under t- uh, unturned in their efforts. They've worked very hard at it, but it's still out there. What's going to happen? It's amazing. I've never seen anything like this where, where you're just trying to find anybody. I, I mean, they, they really are scraping deep. I, I won't say bottom of the barrel be, just because you don't, you don't want to label kids as bottom of the barrel, but, but, but they're really looking and they're extending their, their, their view and all that. From what I understand, a lot of these kids want to come, but they just can't get in, which it seems to be more and more of a problem with each year. I, I, I don't think the admissions really does the football team any favors. I, I, I'm not saying they're opposed to them, but it's pretty apparent to me just through conversations and, and just seeing what happens that they're not willing to bend over backwards just to admit football players which i i do think is the case at, at a lot of other universities so, so if, if that just continues to build and build i mean byu's not going down academically they're going up every year it, it might be more and more of a problem moving forward if, if that's the case are we looking at a smoking gun at something that is really holding back byu football and that's the admissions office. <laughs> wow, that's or a, the philosophy behind it. That's a lot of the people that are there. setting the guidelines. Are we looking at a smoking gun of why this this bat, this football team is struggling and why Bronco Mendenhall said, you know, this is not sustainable? It, 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 it's something. If you can't get players in that can go right up the freeway and get in several schools and get graduate degree and graduate and go through school and get their grades, the books uh, studied and their tests done and their papers in and all stuff like that, are we looking at the smoking gun of uh, really a barrier to BYU football? Uh, wow, that's a loaded question, Dick. That that, that, that sounds like a Dick Harmon column <laughs> coming up. But, um, but every every year I I can think of I, I I can I can pinpoint examples of kids that wanted to go to BYU you but just couldn't get in there's there's a lot of examples out there and, and that number's not going down jeff call are we underselling lopini katoa i mean in this search he was injured a little bit but he had flashes of really brilliance during his freshman year capable he's fast he's not extremely big but they've got backs in their program they lost riley burr at least he had he, i think he's put his name in the portal i don't know if he's actually left school or not maybe he has i think he's going to unlv going to unlv he did make a trip there but yeah. are we selling lopina katoa and some of the other players on the roster short by by saying oh they're they're scraping the bottom of the barrel trying to get all these guys in but are we underselling what they have we might be i mean again we've talked about this many times but uh it's not a big sample size for Katoa because we saw him here and there and he was impressive and then went long stretch and we didn't see him so I'd love to see what he could do when he's fully healthy but I remember uh, about a year ago during spring ball being really impressed with him the way he could not only run but catch the ball he seemed like it'd be a pretty complete back and and uh, I'm, I'm really eager to see again if he can get healthy I think he can be uh, a big element of the offense but they need other pieces they They've proven over and over again they can't do it with with one guy. I mean, unless you're Jamal Williams or Luke Staley, you you need multiple guys, and you need that depth. And right now they're really lacking depth at that position. Especially with the schedule they have. So what are we looking at then on signing day? The the actual signing day that took place in December was kind of yeah. the kind of the the big dump for BYU. That's where a lot of action took place. But there's been some pretty good commitments come up in the last week or so. Yeah, yeah. the biggest one, the guy I'd like to pinpoint is, is, is this Kate Albright kid from Southern California. I, I um, When you look at the 14 guys signed, there's three guys that I think are just headliners, guys that I, I really 
can't see them not having success, and that would be Jacob Conn over uh, Chase Roberts and Michael Daly, who I really like from Lone Peak. I would put Kate Albright in, into that group. I, I think he's a high-quality athlete, a guy that's probably going to play outside linebacker and, 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 and kind of be that that uh, that flash linebacker, that, that, the kind of Fred Warner-type uh, uh, player. I'm not saying he's as talented as Fred Warner. He didn't have nearly the offers Fred Warner did, but but he had high-quality offers. And in this day and age with BYU football, getting a kid with high-quality offers and winning over schools doesn't really happen a lot anymore. And uh, But this kid is definitely... One of the best uh, yeah. guys in Southern California. Yeah, they were able to beat out Utah. Wasn't uh, that be what they beat Utah? He had a, ske- he had a trip scheduled <laughs> That's to right. Utah, and he canceled it after he committed. That's right. So, so, so yeah, I think Kate Albright's definitely a kid, a headliner-type recruit for, for this class. Well, this podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake Stallions. Uh, they're about a month away from the first game. If you'd like tickets, you could call 833-223-2019. That's the Salt Lake Stallions. Football action in the winter in Utah. Uh, coming up, the Super Bowl. We you got the Super Bowl uh, this Sunday. Uh, you got Kyle Van Noy playing for the New England Patriots. I had the opportunity to do a story on him that'll appear later this week in the uh, Deseret News and on our website. I I talked to Kelly Papinga, who really reflected back on how BYU's system is so similar to the Patriots and what they run, and highlighting him and letting him be on the edge and putting him into pass coverage. And so we got to Kelly talking about that. I've got some other. I think interesting people talking about him. One person that I wasn't able to get is Bronco Mendenhall. For some reason or another, there's been kind of a disconnect there, and uh, Bronco kind of passed on an interview. Uh, he was out recruiting and uh, a chance to talk about Kyle. But Kyle, um, Jeff Call has been a force for the Patriots, and one could make the argument that he's maybe the best defender in, in this Super Bowl. Yeah, you could make that argument. and. Uh, it's, it's interesting because I go back to, this is probably 2016, when uh, we went to Michigan State to cover that game. The next day I went over to, to Detroit and uh, watched Kyle Van Noy play with the Lions. And he started, he played quite a bit, but he just looked so out of place. It was like a fish out of water. Just, like he never, you could, it just didn't look like the same player that he was at BYU. He looked uncomfortable. Like he was out of position, I think he was. And I go back and I think about uh, before the draft, before we came out, you heard these rumblings of the Patriots really like Kyle Van Noy. I don't know if you remember that. And uh, obviously the, the Lions took uh, Kyle Van Noy. But Bill Pilicek, I mean, obviously had Kyle in his mind and knew how to use him. And when they made that trade for him, I mean, it completely changed everything. It changed Kyle Van Noy's future, and it really helped the, the Patriots as well. And so it's, it's kind of cool to see him where he is now, helping the Patriots and getting a chance to play in the Super Bowl again. Well, Bilicek is letting him do the uh, – he's, he's calling the plays on defense. He's yeah. actually the leader of the defense. He, he makes the play calls. Right. He calls out the uh, um, the changes at the line of scrimmage. Uh, he's really involved there. Well, the rest of the story, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's on cyberspace. A little bit about the internet. What's the bark out there right now, Brandon Gurney? Well, it's really interesting. I, I mean, I've covered recruiting as long as anyone, right? And preferred walk-ons, you usually don't even know about them. It's become a real thing now. And I think the reason for that is because most of the scholarship guys are already signed. So, so what do you have right now? You have preferred walk-ons and all that. And there has been so much hand-wringing on 
battles and loss for preferred walk-ons, which is just kind of a new thing for me. And, and the kid that's central in that is a kid named Braden Whistler from Bingham, who recently said, I'm, I'm going to go to Utah as a preferred walk-on. That's the key. And I go to Cougar Board, and man, oh, I can't believe we lost out on this kid. Really? I, I, I mean, with all due respect to Braden Whistler, I really like him. He, he's a, he was a fantastic high school player, really short. I mean, like Britain Covey type short, right? But he's stockier than Britain. He got hurt the first game of the season this past year wasn't able to play right um which kind of hampered his chances although most people that have offers they're offered before that that senior year in this day and age but i i mean his best offer was suu and 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 so i i mean you're you're really wringing your hands and really upset about this i I mean sure i wouldn't be surprised if Braden had a really good career at utah I, i think he's a really good football player and i think he could he could he's a guy that could absolutely max out his talent but man Defining him as a loss and really being concerned about that, I, I just, it's hard for me to get with that, but we're in a new day and age, I well, guess. Yeah, we are. And, and, and what you say, I think BYU's coaching staff and talking to them, they are using the preferred walk on program to develop talent and th- people that they really feel that, that do d- deserve a scholarship. They just don't have one available for mm-hmm. them. And they're usually people that are high achievers. They're guys that are going to make it academically and with the honor code. They're not going to be a big risk. And you can invest in them without giving them a scholarship to see how they perform. If you go back BYU's history, they've had some outstanding walk-on talent. You go back to Dennis Pitta, walk-on receiver. You go back to uh, Lewis, Chad Lewis. He walked on this team after a career at Orm High School. Uh, you look at the Bakri uh, on the defensive line. He walked on this team, and he's a starter. Yeah. They're putting their eggs, a lot of eggs in the basket of these type of players that they believe can be high achievers, can be high contributors, and, and play at a Division One level. Uh, because the risks have been taken out of it academically and with the honor code. Uh, a preferred walk-on that, that I really liked that BYU recently was able to get was the kid from Lehigh, uh, Tyler Anderson. He's he's the son of a former BYU uh, offensive lineman. From what I've talked to, he might be an offensive lineman by the time it's all said and done. He's got a really big frame and all that, but I, I really like I, I think of the preferred walk-ons. That, that's a kid that really grabs my attention to someone, yeah, you need to watch this guy. Well, Jeff called women's basketball and a lot of the other sports, I think there's six of them ranked in the top 25. We're talking about volleyball. We're talking about the men's golf team. We're talking about now Jeff Juddy's women's basketball mm-hmm. team. This was supposed to be a rebuilding year, and all of a sudden they're kind of the cream of the crop in this conference. Yeah, I mean, Brandon uh, is the expert on the women's basketball, but uh, I've watched a little bit of, of what they've been able to do, and it's, it's impressive that uh, that win against Gonzaga at home was huge against the top, uh, I don't know, 15 team, right? I think Gonzaga's top 15. Yeah, they're 13. Um, you know, and uh, again, yeah, you're right. I think the expectations are pretty pretty low for this team, and to see them overachieve like this, and and it seems like this is a team that's kind of getting better and better, and really looking forward to the what the West Coast Conference tournament. See how they do. What's your last thoughts, gentlemen? Let's uh, take a topic. Let's talk uh, BYU Gonzaga. Your final thoughts, uh, Brandon Gurney. Uh, wow, I, BYU's been able to pull a rabbit out of its hat, and it seems like they can play Gonzaga well. It, it, it's kind of been a weird thing with this BYU basketball team that when everything seems to be going against it, they can rise up against Gonzaga, and, and maybe they can do it this Thursday. Maybe they can make a game of it. I. I, I don't think it's a hopeless uh, uh, endeavor taking on Gonzaga. I think this team, with what they showed against St. Mary's, I, I'm, I'm more optimistic going into this game than I have been. I just want to add to the women's team, man, are they fun to cover. <laughs> just really delightful girls. And what I really liked about that Gonzaga win was the Marriott Center was really loud and into the game. And that's something you just don't get at women's basketball games. But they're starting to get some momentum. And, and Juddy's always talking about it. He just 
wants people to fill up that place, get into the product and whatnot. And I, and I think that might be a thing going forward. I think I think they're making some waves and they're catching some notice where people are are going to start coming out to these games. Jeff Call, your final word, your thoughts as you head down tonight and get home at about two in the morning. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Before that, uh, we've got Tom Holmo's doing his uh, yearly Q and A this afternoon, and we'll see what comes out of that. We get a chance to ask him whatever we whatever we want, and it's uh, a rare opportunity because, for those that don't know, um, we can't just call up Tom and, and interview him. It's usually in a setting like this where he invites the local media and it's kind of a roundtable discussion. So we'll see what goes on there. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm used to these nine o'clock games by this point, uh, getting home late, and my nerves frayed d- deadline trying to get these stories done, but. Uh, like you said, I, I hope it's a competitive game. I think BYU does have a shot. Um, interested to see what kind of crowd shows up uh, on Thursday night. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd like to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders at desertnews.com. And please subscribe or download this podcast wherever you find it. We're working to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports, and we'd love to have you join us. Yeah.